I haven't been put on the schedule, and I haven't signed up for anything yet. Okay. Um, December's really crazy, and it's like every weekend or something, so I'm mm -hmm. trying not to overload myself. Yeah, I understand that. It is, I get it. I am too. Oh no. Yep. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Genesis. Uh, it's good to see so many faces here. Uh, would you stand with us? We're going to open our service with a couple of songs, and this is a fun time of year. It's our first uh, Sunday of Advent, so we're starting to bring out the Christmas songs. So I hope these are all familiar and, and fun to sing along to.
Good morning. Welcome to Genesis. My name is Kate, and I will be leading us through testimony time today. And just as a reminder, the reason we do this comes from Revelation, and it talks about how the two weapons we have against the enemy are the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the saints, and you are the saints. And so when we open our mouths to praise God and just recognize what he is doing, whether it's small or big, that's one of our weapons that we have against all the things that we see that are hard in this world and heavy. So today I, I was thinking about what I was, would share about what I wanted to testify about, what I was thankful for. And I know that as we're starting Advent this week, and I know that sometimes I'm one of them where I find it hard to really feel the emotion, and I'm an emotional person, and I still find it hard to feel the emotion of the season of like that, that ache and that longing for Jesus to come and then the hope that we have in him. Like I just find that it's feels somewhat manufactured sometimes. And, um, but what's really cool is there's somebody that I meet with weekly that went from being an atheist to a Christian this year. She read through the gospels and decided that Jesus was real. And so her anticipation of Advent is so neat to witness. Um, she just said, this season is going to be so different for me. She says, I can't believe that I get to wait for my Savior to be born. Like, and it's just really different to look at it through the eyes of somebody who is just newly coming to know who Jesus is. And yet there's a lot of us who are just like, yep, Christmas and Advent, we'll do the readings and we'll do, and just to be like, Lord, can we find that, that, that expectation, that, like, that quiet ache within us for the hope that you will bring? Can you like manifest that in us? And I'm hopeful that my client will continue to bring that out of me as she experiences Advent and she um, is thankful for it. And so that's one of my things I'm thankful for. And then the other one is that, and what I want to testify to is that in Psalm 23, I, we were doing a study with my small group women. And what, what was really cool is when we talk about Jesus or, or Jesus as our shepherd, a lot of times we imagine him like gently leading us, but the beautiful richness of that scripture is that Jesus is also the one that rescues the sheep from the mouths of the, the lions or the mouths of the, the, the predators. And for me, that it's sometimes when you read scripture and you think, oh, you know, you felt like you read that scripture a million times. And for this year, I've been dealing a lot with spiritual oppression and, and just the battle against the spiritual stuff. And so for me, the idea of Jesus coming even at Christmas time, like the advent of Jesus to rescue us from the mouths of whatever feels like is coming after us or keeping us down or oppressing us. And so I was just wanted to say thank you to God for giving me that image so that when I find it hard to really maybe relate to the coming of the babe of Christ, that I can, re I can relate to the coming of the, the shepherd who tears the sheep, me, from the mouths of whatever feels like it's oppressive. So um, that's a little bit, a little bit dark, but also I think relevant when we have a hard time with um, wrapping our minds around the babe of Christ. And so I'm just thankful that um, that God is continuing to reveal new things and that we're never too old to change the way we look at the coming of Christ or to experience it differently and that when we're open to those things, I feel like God wants to move. So this is a time where it can be big or small where we just open our mouths to thank God for something and testify to his goodness. And Jackie is going to start us off. can always count on you, Jackie. <laughs> I just want to give thanks to God I have a wonderful job at Kroger. I, I see people every day and, and they give thanks to me for being such an awesome courtesy clerk because we get, without me, 
without me, the Kroger the job will, like without me, the job will never get will never get done. Thankful for your job. Who else? Yes. Deb is gonna. Um, I've got a couple of friends that have been through some surgeries and and healing, and I'm always amazed how God has made us and how we can heal. Um, the, the damage that's been done to our bodies and then the surgeries that go on. And then we heal and we're made new again. And it's just, I'm always in awe. And I just want to give God praise for that. Come on, one more. Okay, I got one in the back. Hello, church. I know you all don't know me. I'm Jason, one of Jim's friends. Um, it's a little thing for me, or a huge thing for me, maybe a little for other people, but two weeks ago, I asked God to come into my life and help me get rid of chewing tobacco. It used to be a two-can, three-can a day for 26 years. I set it down, two weeks clean of that, and I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary of sobriety. So God's been there for me the whole time. Awesome. We praise God for that with you. Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to turn it back over to the band to lead us in another song. All right, would you stand with us again? Yeah, one of the fun things about doing uh, the Christmas songs this season is some of these have been around for so long. So this next song is uh, an older hymn. In fact, if you look in the hymnal in the, in the pew, it's in there, uh, number 135. But uh, I really enjoy at this time of year thinking about how some of these songs that we sing to express ourselves were sung by previous generations and generations before that. And there's a great sense of continuity from this. So I hope you enjoy this one. It's called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.
Good morning, church family. We are the Mass family. I'm Krista, this is Justin, Dominic, Jude, and Xavier, and we're gonna be doing the Advent reading today. Um, we're gonna start by reading, what are we gonna read, buddy? Isaiah 9. Verses one through seven. Uh, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness as a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Okay, I'll be reading a benediction for times of Advent. Uh, this is, okay, good. This is call and response, so where it says all, please read that part. For those whose life has been stuck on pause, may you know the comfort and presence of the God who waits with us. May we whose darkness feels everlasting remember that pure light has entered the world and the darkness has not overpowered it. May we see Christ, the despised one, Christ who loved the outsider, who tasted bitterness and endured death. May he comfort us in our distress and disturb us in our comfort. When all we experience is endless waiting and fruitlessness, Give us the strength to look up and forward to you. May we long for the taste of heaven, our true and future home. May we who carry weariness and pain receive sustenance from a savior who entered and exited the world with a cry of distress. May we who have grown too comfortable among the twinkly lights of this world, see afresh the true and glorious light of Christ. Amen. 
As we remember the great cloud of witness who waited in faith for your coming on earth, Sarah and Abraham and the patriarchs, Isaiah and the prophets, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John, Joseph and Mary, and all those unnamed saints who cried out for salvation, may we join our voice with theirs and pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. I can only go this far on this. Um, one of the bright lights shining in our community down in Hamtramck is Friendship House. Kathy Mayer, the executive director, is here, and we're going to have a little interview. Come on up here, Kathy. You can... Yeah, give her a hand. She's amazing. <laughs> Good morning. Is that... You gotta let the light shine here. There we go. That's better, right? So, Good morning. Uh, Kathy, welcome to Genesis. Thank you so much. And uh, you've been at Friendship House for quite some time, but I'd like to hear how God called you to that place and that ministry. What it is that's been stirring in you that brought you to this place? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. But first of all, I want to say, I feel like a little bit like, you know, I'm in elementary school again being, uh, you know, taking a test with the teacher. And given the fact that Reverend Sharon Buttrey was the former director, I feel like the principal is here too. <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure, right? <laughs> um, okay, so this, so, so I was thinking about that for a minute sitting here. And I'm thinking, you know, I have always felt like a spiritual person. I've always had that. Even as a young child, like I was the only one of my four siblings who actually wanted to go to church. <laughs> and so um, I have to admit that I started my adult life, you know, sort of in the corporate world, but it just didn't have any meaning for me. And I always felt kind of like, oh, I was making somebody else rich. And so, so when I had the chance, I left the corporate world and started in the nonprofit world, and it just feels like that's what I was called to do, and it just has meaning and purpose for me. You're making a lot of people rich there in Hamtramck, even <laughs> though they don't have much in money. Uh, you've really brought a lot of blessing into, into yeah. our community. Thank you. So uh, some of the folks here have not uh, known about Friendship House. Could you just say a little bit about what goes on there so that sure. we have a sense? Sure, yeah. So um, Friendship House um, primarily is a food pantry. So we provide supplemental food to the low-income families in Hamtramck. Um, we are currently providing about 50 to 60,000 pounds of food a month to about 550 families a month. But it's really been increasing a lot. 
So, you know, just because of everything that's been going on these last few years, you know, now with inflation. But um, so, yeah, so we're hovering right around 550, maybe 600 families a month. Wow. So I heard some wows. You can say wow. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so our, I'm in a men's uh, small group here, and we mm -hmm. sometimes come to Friendship House and help with some of the meals. But we'd like to really see our church uh, get even more engaged in ministries? Are there some ways that uh, we might be able to connect to the Ministry of Friendship House? That would be great. <laughs> That's the softball pitch That's here. That's great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, we have been doing some more um, services. Um, you know, and, and over the years, Friendship House has, has kind of, you know, ebbed and flowed, and it's had some different um, iterations. Um, I know when Reverend Sharon was the director, we had a daycare center, and um, and Carol Curley, when uh, we had a like a resale shop, headed that up. So, but right now, what we're trying to do is um, is sort of get the feel and pulse of of Hamtramck, and and you can be really helpful with that too. Um, and to see what is it that they also want and need that we might not be providing and maybe we can provide for. So right now we're doing a program um, and it's like nutritional information. We're trying to help our clients um, learn what are the most healthiest foods for their families. Uh, and the big thing in Hamtramck is the language barrier. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different languages yes. spoken. Um, so if anybody, if anybody wants to volunteer who also speaks um, either Bangla or especially Arabic, because those are our two biggest concentrations of um, clients, but we also have clients that are, uh, in fact, we've been having some Ukrainian refugees mm -hmm. lately coming in, and, and we have Albanian and Bosnian and African American, and um, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so we also have a program where the, um, we have hired like a coach, and that person can um, is open to any of our clients who want to meet with them on a one-to-one -one basis and be able to help sort of identify some of the barriers that they have that are keeping them sort of stuck in that um, poverty. So, so that's something that we could use some volunteer help with also. So we could use help with the nutrition program we could use help with our the coach program, but we really could use help with distribution itself. So we distribute food three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 4, Saturdays from 9 to noon. And that's where we need people. And what I was hoping that we could talk about a little bit is whether there's like, if you guys could maybe put together a team for people who might be able to come down to Friendship House on one of those days, Tuesday, pick a day, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and commit to doing that once a month. So like choosing, for example, like pick 
a Tuesday, the first Tuesday of the month, and then commit to coming down and helping us distribute the food on those days. Excellent, excellent. Well, we want to be a church that puts mission into action yes. uh, through, through us, uh, God's people. Uh, and we love that about you. <laughs> yes, well, we, um, we, I want you all to know that we support Friendship House through our regular mission and compassion partners budget. Uh, but uh, we also encourage our members to, to give individually. And there's time coming up. Uh, Christmas, I think, is uh, coming pretty soon. Yeah, and you do yeah. some special things Christmas. Yeah. Thanksgiving just passed. And so uh, you can talk with Kathy while she's here. Uh, you can talk with me or Carol or uh, Reverend Sharon, and we'd be glad to uh, help connect you to the ministry there. And maybe we can get one of those teams put together once a month to, to help uh, share food with yeah. those who are hungry. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Can I Good. pray for you in Friendship yes, House? Okay, absolutely. let's pray. Lord, we thank you for Friendship House and for the light they are in Hamtramck and Detroit and for the opportunity to put your love into action, uh, touching our neighbors, some of whom know you, some of whom don't, but all of whom are, are the reason that you came uh, because you so loved the world. And so thank you for them loving the world and thank you for us being in partnership and help us as we seek to journey evermore as uh, as your witnesses uh, here in this area in jesus name we pray amen amen thank, thank you, you so Kathy. much bless thank you. you yeah <laughs>
till the end of the school year, um, which would be about the second week in June, minus a couple weeks for the warming shelter. But just to create a space where kids feel accepted, they feel loved, they have a sense of belonging, maybe some time to decompress. So how are we gonna make this happen? That's where you guys come in. I know we're asking a lot of you, but we need at least 21 slots from, Janu from January to June um, for an extra adult every Wednesday from 3 to 4.30. To come in and if you just wanna hang out with the kids, you can do that. Or if you have a special interest or skill or hobby that you'd like to share for half an hour for 40 minutes, I love that. Thank you, Jackie. Um, with, with these kids, you don't have to be an expert or a master. Just come in and, and share it with some ideas that we had. We're um, yoga, if you do yoga, maybe you're really good at um, solving a Rubik's Cube, doing some type of tutorial, I don't know. Whatever your interests are, please bring in. I have a sign-up genius that I created uh, that you can talk to anybody, Manya, Bo, Nate, I'll be out in the lobby after service. Um, but why are we doing this? Because um, I want you guys to think back to your middle school years and think about like how challenging it can be, right? Socially, uh, there's a lot of changes going on. And I think we can be conduits of God's love and use the space that we have that's so close in proximity to just spread the love of Jesus, to give hope and uh, just um, consistency to these kids to feel loved on a weekly basis. So if that's on your heart and you feel moved even the, like the slightest bit, I really want you to act on it. And if you're like, I, I can't hang out, but I know somebody that can, please tell them. And if you can't do either of those, then just pray for us because we really want to have this, um, have traction. And I think you guys have the opportunity to make a big difference in um, middle schoolers' lives. Thank you. And uh, middle schoolers, you can go upstairs to your class and let's say hello to everyone.
Well, good morning again. Welcome. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And the Sunday, typically the Sunday after Thanksgiving, starts the season of Advent, which is a season of anticipation, but it's a season of waiting. The Advent means the arrival. And history can be broken up into two periods of waiting. A period that people were waiting for the Messiah, they were waiting for the Incarnation. They didn't know that they were waiting for that, but they were waiting for that, the Deliverer. And then the second season of waiting is waiting for the second coming, the return, the return of Jesus. And when it comes to waiting, no one likes to do it. It's actually pretty terrible. We spend our lives waiting, and no one likes to do it. But yet, in this season of waiting, in the season that you're in, we want to encourage us all to lean into it. To potentially even to lean into the discomfort of the waiting with the hope of God meeting us in our waiting and in our discomfort. We're going to be spending some time over the next number of weeks through stories of different people who were waiting and as they leaned into that discomfort as they were waiting they had these moments of meeting God the tension wasn't completely removed but they experienced relief so often in these stories of those before us God shows up in the discomfort and it makes all the difference and so that's what we want to have a hope for as we engage in some waiting, that our hope is that we could meet God in the waiting. In John 10, 10, it's this, it's this Katie even referenced it this morning when Jesus is teaching about being a good shepherd. Jesus is teaching about being in the gate and about all who enter it will, will have life. And, and he's using all these metaphors of gate and shepherd. And he just starts speaking about wolves and thieves. And he references this. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then Jesus talks about his own purpose as a shepherd in a gate. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or maybe you've read this before, and it's to give an abundant life. To give a rich life, a full life. They may have life to the full, the abundant life. And so my question is, are you waiting? Are you still waiting for that? This thing called the rich, the full, satisfying life? Are you still waiting? Are you waiting for what looks like things being stolen and destruction and death to end? What is this rich and satisfying life? How would you describe it? I remember I read this book. I heard it, there was this entrepreneur, and he wrote a book called um, how to, I'll Teach You How to Be Rich. That, that was the book. But really, the first question is like, well, what's the rich life? You have to determine that. What is the rich and satisfying life? The abundant life. How would you describe it? What would be marked by it? What wouldn't be there? 
What would be in that season, in that moment? What does the stolen look like? What does the stolen life feel like and look like? A life marked with destruction. And my question is, is it possible for both these things to exist at the same time? To have a rich and abundant life, but to also have right there with it what we might even call a stolen life or a broken life or where things where there's destruction. Sharing the same space, the same time as we breathe in, the same moments of air as we wait. None of us like to wait. Are you still waiting for this life? Tanya Marlowe, who wrote this book called Those Who Wait, she references some potential things we might be waiting for. Maybe you're waiting to know truly what your purpose is. You're waiting to feel like you have enough time to give to all your commitments justice. You're waiting for debts to be paid. You're waiting for respect and recognition. Waiting for the abusive person to be out of your life. Waiting to feel like you belong. Waiting to feel loved and accepted as you are. Waiting for security. Waiting for reassurance that we're doing okay. Waiting for the loneliness to pass. Waiting for addiction to stop ruling us. Waiting for the freedom to do what we love, not what we have to do. You're waiting for a real home. Waiting for a little more time. Waiting for justice in the world. Waiting to stop feeling emotional pain or physical pain. Or maybe in a superstitious way, waiting for the day that we'll stop being happy and that our world will crumble. Which ones hit you? What do you seem to be waiting for? As I wait, I'm at times waiting for this season of parenting to shift. Waiting for more room, for more rest. Waiting for to be less needed. I'm waiting for seasons of stress and anxiety to be fully gone. Just in the last couple of weeks as I thought, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I was reminded again, oh, I'm not. In a moment as a panic attack strikes me in the middle of the night, my body begins to tremor. It begins to send all these messages. Oh, whatever I'm doing, I'm not doing so well. However I'm living is not working. And yet, we're waiting, waiting for that to stop. I know that Carmel was waiting for fullness of health to hit her and to be restored. And sometimes she finds herself waiting for another illness to hit. Which one will one of us bring into the home that now she will wait to find more recovery from the sickness? But all of us find ourselves in these seasons of waiting, but yet we might find ourselves waiting for this thing called a satisfying whole life. But yet in this discomfort, could there be hope of God meeting us? 
These two things existing in one spot. I have, I remember waiting, and I remember, I don't know if it was 2011, 2012, I know it was this season, the season of Advent. Carmel had just experienced an ectopic pregnancy that had ruptured and um, found herself, you know, completely cut open and life sustained and restored and saved. But we found ourselves again in this spot, and we had two of those. And it was this season, and it felt like things were stolen. And we found ourselves in that season sitting in a, a little flat over here in Royal Oak with the fire on. And we had lit some candles for the celebration of Hanukkah, which lines up with Advent. And we put on music. And in that moment, there was a bit of comfort and hope in the pain, where we felt these little moments of life within this, the disruption and the discomfort. That all of a sudden, we felt like in the waiting and in the pain and, and all of this, that God was with us. Right there in these moments, in this space, as we would light candles, play music, Maybe even say a few prayers and just lay in the warmth of the room. Experiencing both of these things at one time. The death that we had experienced, but also the nearness of God in it all as we waited. As we engage in this, this, these moments, there's such hope of meeting God and the discomfort of God showing up in our discomfort where we can meet God in our waiting. And we want to encourage us all to do so into this season of Advent. Recently, we've been reading through the book of Mark. I'm doing that in the morning with some friends. And as we think about entering this season and these spaces of, of waiting, sometimes there are practices and people that we, we need to have with us in these times as we wait because we get to fit, we sense and we are engaging in this life, in the discomfort of life. God is meeting us in these seasons of waiting. And so often it is through practices and people as we wait, knowing that we need to have people with us and we need to engage in certain practices that are easy to engage in. In the time of Jesus, we've, Jesus found himself with people and in practices that were meant to be life-giving. They're meant to give life, but so often they find some of those practices to be not life-giving, but they're death-dealing. This is a little bit what's happening here in Mark chapter 2. This is in verse 18 to 28. It says, Now that John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, they were engaging in these practices where they wouldn't eat. Sort of identifying with the hunger of the ache, the waiting of knowing that they were hungering and thirsting for something more to be happening in our world. They were hungering and thirsting for more of God. They were hungering and thirsting for, for all to be met. And so they engaged in these practices of fasting to not eat. And some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees, these are the really religious people, they're fasting but not yours. And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? They cannot. So as long as they have him with them, 
But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And so this little snidbit into the life of Jesus is saying, why don't your disciples engage in these kinds of practices? And Jesus pretty much says, because there are certain kinds of practices that cause more harm than good in different seasons. There are certain kinds of things that will tear and cause us to burst instead of holding in and sustaining the life that God has for us. And Jesus seems to care about the tears in our lives and longing for them not to get worse. And Jesus seems to care that we might burst. He says, oh, there's such practices and things that maybe aren't for our good, but others that are. Jesus is concerned that people can tear and burst and they're waiting have you felt that again the next story is a lot like practices again and it was a sabbath and this was a practice of totally resting of disengagement of a practice of allowing god waiting upon god to meet all of our needs to show to show that we that they fully they trusted the god of to provide for them. And so one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along and they began to pick some heads of grain and the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Because on the Sabbath you couldn't work. And they were thinking since they took that grain and they were rubbing together, that was considered harvesting. And so Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Avathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So again, this question about the practices that was being asked of Jesus is, why are your disciples breaking the Sabbath by harvesting grain. And Jesus pretty much says this, because they were hungry and they needed something to eat. And so if you're hungry and you've been waiting for food and it comes available, you eat. They were hungry. Their needs should be met. And these practices, and the practice of Sabbath are about meeting their needs, not suppressing them. Our practices have to recognize and make room for our needs, that we're hungry. And so in this, we have Jesus who's concerned not only for our needs, but who's concerned about our tearing and our bursting. And so as we enter into this season of waiting, and we want to encourage us to engage in some practices and with some people that are life-giving 
Not about suppressing needs and not about uh, overburdening us so that we will tear in the burst. The question then has to be this. In our waiting, what people and practices are life-giving? So when you think about this coming season, have there been people and practices or patterns that have been life-giving for you through Advent and through this holiday season? Are there people that when you get together, they lighten the load as you're in community with people? And are there practices, the practice like in our house of lighting a candle during Hanukkah, putting on music and having the fire on, and listening to this music of God being the one who sustains us through the season. These practices have been life-giving. And we pull in people. So for you, I want you to turn to the person next to you. When you think about some sort of pattern in the holiday season or a practice that you have had or had as a family or people that you've connected with during these times, the ones that were life-giving, that were like, oh, that meets a need. What comes to your mind? It's the practice of setting a Christmas tree or going out and getting it, or maybe that's not the life-giving practice. It's the practice of making cookies or sharing them or singing with friends. Is it the life-giving practice of Christmas Eve and the candlelight? Is it the life-giving practice of, what, what, what could they be? So what, what has been life-giving practices that you've engaged in? And so first, take that thought, Jesse. Turn to the person next to you and share one with them. Or turn to somebody close and say, here's been a life-giving practice, or here's some life-giving people. Boy, and this is, this is what we do. So would you turn to somebody near you and share that? Okay. Did you share some? Does anybody have one that they'd be willing to share with everybody about a practice? So things have been life-giving during this season. You're like, oh, this is so life-giving. 
Um, every morning we read um, scripture uh, around the Christmas story before um, when we first meet and before any gifts are open. So we're all quieted and we're all reading the word and I just love it. It's the best. <laughs> That's awesome, Deb. They read the scripture before they open the gifts. I'm sure the kids love it too. <laughs> I would have been going nuts. Right, but that's how that part, like we, we kind of know that there's, oh yeah, this is, this is the life. This is what, this is the satisfying life is communion with God. Anybody else have one that you're like, oh, here's a practice or something simple. This is life giving that we do. Jackie. So, sometimes during the Christmas season, we, we listen to 100.3 WNIC, and, and occasionally they only play one song of Jesus like every five minutes, and, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like one, some of the songs are not always about Jesus, but it's just kind of confusing. But, but the Christmas songs on Pandora, the Pandora Christmas radio, mostly all of the songs on the Pandora Christmas radio are about Jesus's birth. And that's what I love. That's awesome, Jackie. Anybody else that they hear something shared that's like, oh, here's a life-giving practice pattern or even people. Okay, up until this year when we got a dog and the dog chews up all our trees outside, we would go to <laughs> Candy Cane Farms up in Oxford and cut down a Christmas tree. And it'd be me, Shane, and Toby, and the three of Laura's taking pictures, and the three of us are on the ground, like, sawing at it. <laughs> Shane's like, no, it's this way. He's pulling the tree one direction. I'm like, don't break it until we pay for it, you know? Like, don't break it then. But up until now, like, before that, that was our tradition. After Thanksgiving, let's go cut it down. That's an awesome tradition. Oh, we have. Um, I have a tradition of making gingerbread houses with some of the grandkids, <sighs> and I always look forward to that. Yeah, those are life-giving practices and people. So every Christmas and Thanksgiving, we uh, go out to see some extended family, and this includes a very large number of cousins who we really, I really like hanging out with because it is it kind of can strike a nice balance between addressing deeper topics and problems when we need to, and it's and also taking a break from those. So that's very life-giving for me. Um, so I, on Christmas, have, instead of going to visit my family, have stayed in town here. And I, <laughs> pre-pandemic, uh, started doing a Christmas crawl. And I would go to, on Christmas Day, a number of people's houses and be with their families on Christmas Day. And I'm thinking about resurrecting that again this year, so. I like that, Jerry, the Christmas crawl. Is there a drink involved at every house? And if so, you're going to need that. That family's going to have to drive you to the next location. Anybody else have a practice that you're like, this, this brings life for people? This brings life. Anybody else? Oh, Chris. 
Our kids are eight and 11, and there's a book that I read to them at the, around this time, you know, in the early part of the Christmas season, it's called The Worst Crossed Out Best Christmas Pageant Ever. And it's just this awesome retelling, not retelling, but the story of these awful children who are like bullies in town, and yet they get the Christmas message. And it's just so much fun to read it. We just laugh out loud as a family as we read it. It's a great story. Any others? There are so many good practices and patterns and even people that we might have the opportunities to be with during this season. We kind of know that within seasons of waiting, and I would have to say every one of us is in some kind of waiting, that we somehow we can name something of this satisfying good life that is eluding us. If not one thing, maybe 10 off that list, or maybe a number of like what we're waiting for. And sometimes we can be duped into believing, oh, if only these things were met, then we could engage. Then, then we, could, we would be okay. This season would be a little better. But I, but I believe that we're in this perpetual, at times, season of waiting. But yet, there's the hope of God meeting us in our discomfort. And so holding on to the waiting, holding on to the discomfort, knowing it's going with us, these realities of what we're in, but also as those are going with us, here's the God who's meeting us in it, in our discomfort, and giving us hope, coming near to us and being with us. It's the story of the first coming, the incarnation of God saying, I'm coming near to be with you. And it's the promise of saying there'll be a day when the complete waiting is over and I'll return and set everything right. But in the meantime, there is life. And it is found in the waiting. But the good life is found in God being with us in it all. And experiencing God's kindness in the hardships. So during this Advent, we want to take reality of that. And we want to invite us to engage in practices and with people, even in this season that could be hard and difficult, that you're finding yourself in right now. And so what we've created is we've created some tools. We've created some gifts. We've, we've created even some things that we would love for you to step in, uh, that all of us could step in together with some ideas. We encourage you, step into any patterns and practices and people that you already have set as a family. But we have created a calendar, a digital calendar that you can subscribe to and it'll update your calendar, either it's Google or if it's the iCalendar, and it'll update it. It's called the Genesis Advent uh, calendar. It was texted out this morning. It will be in the email, and it's also available on the website. But you can subscribe to that calendar, and it will update your calendar. And on that calendar will be things like uh, a daily Advent prayer. And I tell you what, when I don't know how to pray, or I'm not sure what to pray, the rote, which means somebody else wrote it, the rote prayer is so helpful. 
And so what we've got for you today is we've got a candle, even right over here, the, a, a, a scented candle to where you can grab. We want to encourage you to grab a candle. And as Advent starts and as this plan starts on December the 1st is when we're really launching, and that's Thursday, to in the evening to light the candle, to read the daily scripture, which every day that scripture is populated into the calendar as well, as well as the prayer, and just to light the candle, to pray the prayer, to read the scripture. There's also an activity that is listed that you can choose to engage if it works, but that activity will involve some people potentially. Maybe those will work for you and maybe they won't. Some of the activities are connected with things that we're doing like the ornament making and it's like give an ornament to someone and that morning we're making ornaments on Saturday, next Saturday. Some of the activities will be like, oh, we're doing the blue Christmas gathering. Some of the activities are watch a Christmas movie with others and some of them will work for you and others of them won't. But they will give you the chance about connecting with other people who are life-giving. And you may look at that activity and say, it works. I'm going to try this with a roommate, with a neighbor, with a friend. Or I'm going to go there. I'm going to crash somebody else's house and encourage us to do this. We're going to pull in the people who are in my own home and we're going to do it. But we want to encourage you to engage in these practices and these patterns and with people believing that God will meet us in these spaces as we're waiting. So what you can do in this is, number one, if you're of the digital age and you're like, that doesn't stress me out, you understand how the digital calendars work, we would love for you to subscribe to the calendar. You can turn it off. You can turn it on. It's going to go December 1st to December 24th, um, and it will update your calendar with a, a prayer a reading of the scripture, and a potential activity. The first night of the Thursday activity is to light the candle. That's how easy some of these activities are. But to light the candle, to read this prayer, and to engage in the scripture. So if you receive our text, that text came this morning at the bottom of it. You can subscribe directly to that calendar right now. If you're like, you know what, I don't like digital things, I want something here, we have all the printed versions of the prayers in the weeks, the scriptures written out, and the activity sheets. They're all up here in paper on both sides and in the lobby. We also have Trader Joe's Advent calendars. If you're like, you know what, I would prefer a piece of chocolate every day. That is here too. You can reward yourself with that as you're waiting. So there's a Christmas candle to be, lit, to be lit, and if you want to make a practice of lighting it each night as you engage in the prayer, we think that could be a beautiful pattern through this season that is low weight, but it's a practice and a pattern of just recognizing that God is with us in our waiting, in our current place right now, and that potentially God would meet us. We would experience God's kindness and goodness in our waiting. So as we engage in this Advent season, we want to encourage you to join us, to join in a communal practice. So if you don't know what you're supposed to do, here's things. You can download the calendar digitally, and that's going to start on Thursday. We want you to grab a candle. They are scented. If you burn through the candle, come back next week, and we'll give you another one. If you, you, if you light it and you don't let it go, if you just put it in your bathroom and you light it because it does have a good scent, that is okay too. We'll give you another. 
there's all the printed calendars and there's Advent things. So we want to invite you, come and take them and let's engage in this season of believing that God will meet us in our waiting. Let me pray. So Father, as we have friends who are waiting right here and the wait is, is potentially unbearable, there, it's too much. Jesus, come and breathe on them right now. Put a hand on them right now as they find themselves in this place of belonging and with others. May they be seen right now. May your comfort even, let your comfort meet them right now. As they acknowledge the heavy, as they even ask the question, do you care that they're bursting? Do you care that they're tearing? And we hear you say, yes, because you're near. Holy Spirit, come near. Be breathed into the bodies that are here. Into the pain, into the pain of our waiting. God, thank you for your communion with us that you are the God who does come near. And you are the God that pulls us into community with you and one another. Maybe recognize it and say yes. Thank you, Jesus, that there is life now for us, even if it doesn't match the picture of what we had longed for or hoped for. But you're offering us life. Come, God. And may we also give good news to those who are hurting and waiting alongside us. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as you go, grab a candle, download the digital calendar, grab the physical calendars or the physical paper if you'd rather do it that way than having the digital version, but that's what those papers are. The paper is the readings for each day, the activities for each day, and the simple prayer that is a common prayer. Grab a calendar, but God bless you next Sunday, Saturday, come and make an ornament. We'll belong together, and you can give that away. On Sunday, we're eating together. So you can bring a soup or a salad, and we'll engage in some more waiting, and then we're going to start teaching about the different characters in the Scripture who have waited and experienced God's help. Have a great Sunday.